Yeah, no, so uh, also really funnily enough, um, so <coughs> this is going to sound like hell to other people, maybe, but that's probably only if they don't like the people they work with. But where I work, we actually like each other as coworkers and like and as people. Like it's, it's really... That. Yeah, no, I feel like I won the lottery, right? Like, it's yeah. not just like I can tolerate my coworkers. That by itself would be a miracle, right? Like, let's be real. Um, but uh, the fact that I enjoy my coworkers, that I actually am sad when I have to be like, oh, you're leaving for a meeting at a different place? <laughs> like, you know, like, 
um, or that we're actually excited to see each other in the morning when yeah. we're like, oh my God, I made us all coffee. Like, let's take 20 minutes to chat, right? Like, and that to us, that's like kind of a fun prospect as opposed to yeah. like, I'm just trying to get my spreadsheet done and leave, right? Like, that's not really our attitude, right? Um, certainly, we all have days like that, right? But like, as a general rule, like, we're all like, nah, let's take a couple minutes and have some coffee. You know, I, I think I've spoken about my lifestyle of not running for a bus, you know. Um, and but that's because there are some times when one actually has to run for a bus. I think what I'm trying to do is make that distinction in my life, right? So same thing with this particular Tuesday morning or that particular <clears throat> Tuesday morning. If I have 20 minutes for coffee, guess what? I'm a fucking take it. So anyway. No, I... <laughs> on that topic the morning rituals yeah i definitely understand the morning ritual myself that's definitely something i've just come to develop in the last few weeks so um not even just getting up a certain time but whenever i get up well that too but also like whenever i get up like doing all the things i usually do like in the morning to get the day started it's mm -hmm. been like tremendously uh beneficial to my mental health but also just like i feel like my nutrition <laughs> Uh, yeah like, like even so like when, when i'm like when like once upon a time when i was like in my 20s which is like late 20s which is kind of when i started seeing a therapist um she actually was the one who helped me develop notes to help me get out of my depression oh and she was like because you're because she noticed that like of like for me personally right she noticed that like i was like goal oriented and she's like, so then you should just have a list next to your bathroom window, mirror, whatever the fuck it is you stare at in the morning that just says, brush your teeth, have a snack, comb your hair, like just, yes, you're an adult and yes, you know, you need to do these things, but that's the thing about when you're in a depression, right? Like your brain, for whatever reason, comes up with excuses and reasons why you shouldn't. Yeah. No, I totally. Right. Yeah, I, 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 I can relate with that strongly. There's actually this mirror that I'm always looking at when we're recording the show has uh, all kinds of stuff written on it, reminders and stuff like that, that I wrote probably, I can tell you exactly when it was. It was Reality Issues Season 2, Episode 9, uh, <laughs> yeah. Episode 19, no, Episode 9, yeah. That was the 19th episode we did because I wrote it and I can see all the rest of the notes around it. And those notes have stayed there sort of. Uh, as a Zoom background for when I do um, uh, TMZ, it looks kind of like silly and funny, but also mm -hmm. like uh, it reminds me of when I was like curing my depression exactly. I was like taking all the things like in yeah. my brain and externalizing them like onto the wall. And um, I'm going to wipe them off soon and like write some new stuff actually, but because uh, I just reorganized all my storage for all these lovely stories that we do. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, time to hit the reset. So because I love my coworkers, mm -hmm. every once in a while, well, first of all, every meeting we have, we always do our opening check-in, which is literally just the question, how are you doing and what do you need? That isn't like work-related. Oh. Right, so like, it could just be like, you know what, like, so uh, some of our coworkers have children, some of them have older parents, uh, most of us are partnered in some way. Right. So it's really easy to say something like, um, actually, um, my kid had a really difficult time getting to daycare this morning. I'm really frazzled. Wow. I'm really distracted. 
it's going to take me a few minutes to really get into the fucking swing of the meeting. And it's like, cool, okay, we, we'll fucking leave you alone for the first, like, 30, 40 minutes then. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. like, like, no fresh, you know? I love um, and someone else, like, I could say something like, for example, like, oh, uh, my partner's a school teacher. It's their last day of school, and they're about to start summer vacation. So I would really like to uh, get my shit done today because I want to get the fuck out and go spend time with them. Like, I still want to get my tasks done. But I'm like all business today, so wow. I want I'm, I'm all business today because I want to go have fun later, right? Like I'm right. And so we just say that to each other, and everyone's like, "Okay, I see where you're coming from today." So now, as we get to start work, they know that like I'm not going to be in a chit chatty mood today, even <laughs> though usually I am, right? Usually yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, let's fucking take 20 minutes for coffee," but that day I'll be like. No, I want to take that 20 minutes to go do something else, That's right? That's a very, like it's... Um, progressive level of communication. I don't need to use that word in that kind of way specifically. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's like a... Um, it's something you don't see that often, or at all, really. And it's very practical. So um, I'm just yeah. surprised that that kind of communication... As a person who, you know, not even just before I started working in the workforce, like grew up around mm -hmm. inside a workforce, essentially, like mm -hmm. around all this stuff, around people working and... Uh, mm -hmm. you hear a lot of uh, conversations around the water cooler and the coffee maker and stuff. And, um, those aren't exactly the conversations you hear in the morning. Usually it's something more, someone starts complaining and that starts everyone off on complaining about something, but rather right. than actually just even asking how each other's doing every once in a while you get that, but it's between good friends. It's not between just like, you know, the person mm -hmm. passing at work or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, it, but like you said, like, it's just. It's just like kind of common sense. Yeah. I don't know, like, yeah. like because like someone can say, I'm just in a grumpy mood today because the cable guy stood me stood me up, right? Like, be... which is something that happened to me on Monday. Oh, <laughs> they didn't yeah. stand me up. No, they didn't stand me up. They did arrive. It was okay. just, I, I, I use that because that's actually shorthand for what actually happened to me on Monday. But. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I say shorthand because it's a shorter, it's a shorter story than what actually occurred, right? Like I would have to describe a Rube Goldberg situation. <laughs> okay. To, I, which I can tell you because I think it's hilarious, but that's a different story. Anyway. Oh, we're so... technically doing the podcast now, I think, so. I yeah, think... I think we've been recording. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. <laughs> just... Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the cast. Oh. We they, they Oh, folks got to hear maybe how you and I actually are. Yeah, that's like true. Like, when we're not recording, because we started recording. That's true, And yeah, we I, didn't really think about yeah, it. Yeah, I, that's true. I, I'm not going to use, just for, for your reference, Kathy, I'm not going to mm -hmm. use the Zoom. That's kind of just been going. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to mm -hmm. use the board mm -hmm. still, because it will sound mm -hmm. like that, but, yeah. And no, of this course. is still not a video production. <laughs> right. Clear. Yeah. The, the, the few minutes of us simply trying to figure out the buttons on Zoom will likely be edited yeah, out. I don't think our listeners will enjoy no, the no. technical <laughs> aspect of us doing sound check. We can skip that. Yeah, right? that's so. literally, that's very skippable. Um, I hope everyone okay, finds so we, it very endearing at home that we leave in all our little uh, guffaws and, and stupid shit. Yeah, we don't give a fuck. So. It's, it's supposed to yeah. be easier and more fun. It's supposed to be like you're right here with us in the office, even though you're in, you're on a Florida beach and I'm on 
Max Headroom's television right now. In the, you in know? the future alternate 1989. Of the Zoom, of the Zoom background. Actually, what year, um, what year was it in the Max Headroom TV show? Was it the future or like an alternate present? You know, I think that's a good question. I'm going to guess alternate present. Let's look it up. Okay. Um, what was the name guy, the main character's name? Was it Edison Carter? Was that was he the oh the news journalist who like got journalist. copied into Max Headroom? I used to watch. I, a lot I don't of remember. Yes, Edison Carter. Edison Carter. There was two seasons, right? Yeah. Two. That's right. a good one. They, they aired it on Tech TV at some point. That's the only reason. Yeah. I know, which became G Four later, but that's I've seen most episodes that way. It was excellent. Yeah. So I loved it. Uh huh. Um, way ahead of its time for sure. It, you could make a Max Headroom now that would kill if it was written. In oh way. yeah. And people yeah. would blow. It would blow their minds, especially the marketing you could do. Like you could have it social accounts you could have it like injected into mtv and shit like that people like a 1985 british made made for tv movie and then a tv program where he introduced the music videos commentary and eventually guests and then during its second and third year it that's when it started appearing in the u.s as cinemax Became spokesperson for New Coke. <laughs> that is perfect. New Coke. And then after the cancellation, weeks. yes, I fucking love, I want to put a New Coke logo right on this yeah, fucking album. background now. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. With the little parental advisory on the other side. <laughs> after the cancellation of the Max Headroom show, the British originated one, uh, then in 1987, it started on ABC, ABC? Wow. as an American TV drama series. That's surprising. That's when they are now challenging the status quo of a cyberpunk world. Um, but what was the actor's name? I think he just passed. Oh, oh uh, the actor's name uh, was, oh, it just said it. I just read it. He was tremendous. Uh, Matt Fr Matt Frewer in the United States, and then in the, was it the same thing? Yeah, Matt Frewer in Britain as well. Um, yeah. It also says to answer your question, okay, your real qu question, is it in the future or an alternate present? Mm -hmm. Max Headroom debuted in April 1985 on Channel 4 in the British-made cyberpunk TV movie Max Headroom. 20 minutes into the future oh that is his origin story perfect and that's the name of this episode as well 20 minutes yeah. into the future it's sick as hell yeah no Dude. so who wrote who, to like... the max headroom point um because i am uh visiting the in-laws in roswell and i am not in santa fe at the moment i zoomed into our staff meeting yesterday but our boss is out of town, so we decided we would have some fun by having a costume-themed staff meeting for Thursday. And so the theme was like the 80s, so I just came as Max Headroom, where I literally just used the background you and I have used a thousand times, and I put on some glasses, <laughs> and I just sat here through the fucking staff meeting. This is awesome. But like I, I, but like I said, I appreciate that to most people, that description of our having a staff meeting with silly costumes and shit probably sounds like hell. Like I think in a different place, I would absolutely want to 
KMS if somebody yeah. brought that up at I just... work. Yeah, it's funny. But with these folks, I that. was like, I'm all in. How do we do this? Yeah, because could you, could you imagine if... Um... I'm just trying to think of, yeah, in any other situation you put that there is not people you love working with, how, how depressing that would be, that, like, forced fun. But in this case, it's yeah, actual right. fun, so it's actually, it's, you don't have to, it's not, it's, it's like our role-playing game, tabletop group getting together and deciding to come in costume one night. Like, that sounds fun, I, as opposed to, like, yes. hell, you know? Yes. Like... <laughs> I need to find room. Let's for that all dress more. up as our favorite Warhammer character and then let's have an evening of painting them together. Like I could see that being like, hey, I that sounds appealing now in my think, old age. I like think that rocks. Yeah. It's like what we do instead of whittling. <laughs> yeah, totally. Or scrimshaw. No, no, yeah, well, scrimshaw, scrimshaw. Is, scrimshaw is strictly illegal. Um, so. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, well, maybe, well you can. You amateur could use... scrimshaw, a little. We could do lithography, <laughs> right? So yeah. some, so any kind of metal ography, right? Like yeah. you can just carve into shit, I guess, right? Just I, I um, like the idea. or instead of ivory, just go outside, pick up a rock. What's the ivory replacement that? for, like modern scrimshaw recreationists? What do they use as replacement? Look, ivory? I'm gonna look it up. It's gonna be like marble, maybe tile, tile, some mm. kind of a ceramic. Yes, yeah, so... my guess. Okay, ivory. Repl oh, I'm gonna say <laughs> ethical, ethical <laughs> replacement. Ethical scrimshaw uh, revivalists. <laughs> That's us. Oh, the tagua nut, an ethical alternative to ivory. Deep in the Amazon rainforest. I don't think that sounds ethical. No. We're already already on a bad path, but please continue though. So, but this is the headline from OneWorldFairTrade.net. Okay. I guess a a uh, a place for business people to investigate just these kinds of things. And it says, from seed to jewelry, and it says, deep in the Amazon rainforest lies a nut that, when carved, takes on the appearance of ivory. When the nut okay. is ripe, it falls to the earth, making collection safe. Okay, so collection is safe. Mm -hmm. Like getting there and acquiring the thing is probably what sounds dangerous and and unethical. <laughs> if it's in the Amazon. Um, yeah, just being there in general. Uh, it's like... Cash, cashews aren't cashews something like this too aren't cashews like growing on like cloud forest trees or something like that i feel like cashews are fruit removed from like very tall trees well i mean i feel like that i mean i think this is the real problem right is that like hmm how can i put it i know we're not playing like oppression olympics when we talk about your oh. experiences versus mm. mine let's say mm. right yeah but there are some things that are sourced more ethically than others, right? Like, yeah. I think the problem in our society, kind of, maybe, is that there's really no way to consume anything ethically anymore. Yeah, right. There just isn't. Like, like okay, like, I want to buy, I don't know, um, uh, how about this? Toilet paper. The most 
unnecessarily needed to be bought commodity in the history of Earth. Like, I can't believe that toilet paper, a thing that we're all forced to use out of no need of our own, I guess, beyond our desire to shit inside, right? Um, that we have to pay for it. So something about it is very, like, offensive to me because I can't. It's not like a choice to shit. I have to do it. It's we have true. to do it somewhere, right? So, yeah. But I'm still going to take toilet paper because we there's literally no way you could talk your way out of buying it, right? Huh. Yeah, because here's what we have here. to do. Yeah, right? I mean, this is really, now like, okay. So like, one of our human needs, uh, in addition to everything else, ultimately is also toilet paper. That's true. Okay. Well, so like, let's say I were to bring up um, some other item, my cell phone or mm -hmm. meat, right? Someone is gonna very clearly just argue, well, why do you even need that at all? Like, why eat meat if you can just eat vegetables? Why get a cell phone if you can just have a landline, right? Like, why do you need to have this, like, surveillance poison device in your hand, radiation device in your hands at all times, right? It's like, okay, I guess I don't, right? I don't need the coach bag. I need a bag that it needs to be a coach bag is the other question, right? So that's fair. I, so, but again, toilet paper is, I don't think one we can really talk our way out of. So if I use that one as the thought experiment, right? Who the fuck makes toilet paper? It's like fucking one of the Coke brothers, right? It's, so like, literally, yeah. So like, and they literally And there's only make like, like three like, paper producers in the United States that, yeah. 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 So like, <laughs> so like no matter who, or which generic brand of Target or Kroger or dollar store toilet paper I buy, yeah. there is simply no way to consume that fucking thing ethically. Not even mentioning in like its carbon, carbon footprint from production to manufacture, to packaging, to shipment, to purchase, point of purchase at the grocery store, right? Like we didn't even get into the like hidden costs of the fucking toilet paper. We're talking about just the toilet paper, right? Yeah. So I can't consume anything ethically. I'm like, and if I'm, tr and if I'm obsessed with doing so, I, I have failed. What I have to do is, well, what kind of makes sense for my lifestyle? Right. Like, OK, like I'm not buying Louis Vuitton bags. So that's not that's like not even a thing I need to really worry about. Right. I'm not buying and purchasing some large quantity of leather goods beyond my shoes. Yeah. Right. So like I, like if I were like in head to toe leather, I guess I'd be ready to have that conversation. But it just seems like such a drop in the bucket as everything else. So I'm also, again, not going to feel bad for spending uh, let's say $300 on a pair of leather winter boots that are going to last me for many, many seasons, as opposed to a bunch of bullshit from the Walmart that I'm going to wear all summer because they're cute, right? Like I've made a decision of what's actually more ethical in my lifestyle. I don't live on the beach, for example, where they just like blow away because a fucking seagull came and just took your flip flop. Like that happens. Like that sucks. And when I was in California, I had like 40 different pairs of fucking flip flops for that very reason. Yes. How do you like the idea of a seagull flying away with a flip flop though? It hasn't happened to you. I've seen it. It's, it's a colorful item that looks like food. It could be a circus peanut for all they know. They've eaten one of those, two of those maybe. Yeah. I once had a seagull come up and attack. Well, I say come up. I believe up, this. Come I up. Say, He's I, like, what I, got I, up I, in what? your face? He's like, what are you doing, Kathy? Get out of here.
go. This is my beach. Get. It's like on Venice Beach, he's like got muscles. He's gonna beat you up. He's like posturing. Get out of here. Ice cream in your face before running away with it. <laughs> Some guy behind him does like a slam dunk hanging off the rim. He like turns and looks at you <laughs> intimidatingly. I'm here. I got this pigeon. Oh it's back. My it's God. A seagull. No, that's how they are. Uh, it's true. You know, they're like say, that like here. One time I was on the beach, like just minding my own business. And you know, people are set up on the beach. I'm there. I've got my shit. I'm with whoever I'm with. And there's towels and people in groups. And I remember there was this like rogue fucking seagull. I say rogue. He saw his opportunity. I guess the people next to us had left their stuff unattended for like, I don't know, a split second. And here comes the fucking seagull, like, dive-bombing out of the air, like, just right into their fucking leftover fish and chips or whatever. And, like, mm -hmm. just, the, like, it was, like, in a styrofoam, like, to-go container or whatever. And the only thing I really saw was that fucking seagull, like, trying to fucking fly off with this big fucking... <laughs> it's, like, dragging it no, I mean, try to, <clears throat> famously, I mean, you, you probably have experienced this. Try to go eat anything on Fisherman's Wharf. Try. <laughs> try. You can't. You're going to be <laughs> harangued by creatures the entire time. Yeah. All kinds of, not even the same, there might be multiple kinds of seagulls there you'll get harassed by. <laughs> like some of their Marine birds. They're coming for you. <laughs> they're, they're wearing little motorcycle yeah, jackets. It's a pelican. Yeah, he's a biker cut. This guy's patches oh. on. <laughs> oh, my God, Brian. Did you hear? Mm. Did you hear about the big news story about Memorial Day weekend here in New Mexico? Oh, was there like a biker oh gang gosh. shootout? Yes. Oh, Indeed, I was, there was. I was kind of joking and guessing. Wow, that's... No, it's true. Oh. Like, like five people are dead and shit. Like, it's fucking wow. Nuts. The last time this nuts. happened was like 2009 or 2010. There was like that one scene at that crazy. It was like a Twin Peaks or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it oh, was I... the Banditos again. Oh shit! So okay, wait, was so... this in Southern California? No. So like. Okay. So here's it's in how New this goes. Right. Yeah. It's, well, yeah, it happened in New Mexico. Okay. So. Up by Taos in a place called Red River. Mm. Mm. Every year at Memorial Day, for the past like 50 years, by the way, it's been going on for like a long time. Okay. Uh, there has been a motorcycle rally on like Memorial Day weekend. I, yeah. And so like, um, I didn't know. but to be clear, right? Like this isn't like Sturgis, North Dakota biker event. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is literally like old dudes with their fucking triumph motorcycle coming out for the car show. Right. Cause it's like a vintage thing. Right. So it's like, Dentist it's kind of known for Santa Fe. Okay. Come out on their fucking expensive hog. Yes. Okay. Right. John Travolta makes an appearance because he was in wild hogs. Yeah. I don't know. You know, that kind of shit. Okay. You know, okay. don't get Willie Nelson to be the event headliner that day or whatever. Right. But it's got like wide appeal. It's like the kind of thing that like people take their families to, their kids to. Grandpa goes. Right. Because it's also like a 
And it's not like huge or anything because Red River is also not that huge, but it's one of those things where like, this is basically how that community makes its fucking money. Cause they're known for this fucking thing. Right. So it's I like mean, Sturgis makes like the annual. Yeah. Looked at their books before they're like read articles, but it's basically like the one thing all year that like makes them their money in like a week. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Probably. So there everybody is hanging out in red river for the, I don't know, 500th annual motorcycle rally and Memorial day barbecue. Um, and um it's i guess usually neutral ground i don't know how that shit works for these people but hmm. it should be i guess and anything with the public should be yeah typically. right they follow i know that like we see a lot of biker culture in popular media and stuff but i do know mm-hmm. that like it is representative of their like how serious they take certain codes and dealing with the public and stuff like that and i know that those kinds of organizations exist even here in town um so they're real yeah everyone if you've ever wondered if they're real if you're mm-hmm. not from the united states and you wondered if that shit's real it's extremely it's fucking real. real yeah it's extremely real yeah and like uh but yeah so apparently there was some fucking petty beef between these two biker gangs and then for some reason the banditos got involved with this petty beef between oh. these two people like oh. or these two it, it wasn't the banditos originally involved apparently but apparently these two biker gangs um who had always been i guess kind of at odds with each other they had recently attended a wedding together oh and so apparently at this wedding members of these two biker gangs showed up and apparently instead of it being a beef they kind of were like hey we're here for a wedding let's all be peaceful and kind of like yeah, this maybe doesn't really have anything to do with us even. You know, maybe they were there by accident. Maybe it's a Romeo and Juliet situation. Who the fuck knows? Let's be honest. I don't mm-hmm. know. That detail hasn't come out. Yeah, you'd have to be. But apparently someone in the Banditos was very upset that this wedding had occurred. And that's what set the fight off. Mm. That is some real Romeo and Juliet shit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that sucks, you know, and it, it, it feels like it's been the hot topic kind of like with kind of people around <clears throat> because like a lot of things happened as a result, like, and not the least of which was that as soon as it all started happening, right, like uh, state police, the sheriff's departments, all in those areas, they put that place on fucking massive lockdown and they were, they set up roadblocks anybody who at that point wanted to leave they needed to fucking show id they needed to explain why they were there they were like if you have outstanding warrants get get ready to fucking pony up they encouraged business owners in red river to shut down for the rest of the weekend because it was like because it was like fucking hundreds of them yeah that's crazy how does it what was the police jurisdiction there? Mm. Who was who was handling all this? Who was a completely overwhelmed? Some small time cop was like completely overwhelmed by this entire scenario. I assume. Well, it was apparently uh, 
Taos County Sheriff are the ones ultimately responsible for the area because like Red River is like one of those really tiny small towns that doesn't exactly have its own police force, right? Yeah. It has like three guys who give out tickets and shit, you know, but like it's not really like a police force. Right. So it's the sheriff's department who would be kind of more responsible for like something like that, as well as state police. Right. But like, oh, yeah. this is this is kind of like what's I mean, I, I say it's crazy, right? Like. um, It's not like. It's not like the fact that like the banditos are some known violent biker gang is like, yeah, it's not like some secret. Right. It's not like unpredictable. Right. Like, OK, if I were to have a soccer game in Britain, what are the chances a soccer hooligan is going to show up? 100%. Right, like <laughs> the A, yeah. So if I have a motorcycle rally, even if it's a family-friendly one, right? What are the chances that they will be present? Pretty much still a hundred fucking percent, though, right? Yeah. Even if they have decided previously that it's neutral territory. We all know that if you're a bite, like they're not exactly reasonable people if they're like on fucking meth. Exactly. Right. Because like, yeah. that's also the difference that we're talking about. Right. Like we're talking about like grandpa who really loves vintage motorcycles from the 1940s mm-hmm. versus, you know, hundred million dollar BMW collector versus the guy who's selling meth laced with fentanyl to like anyone and everywhere. Right. So like, I think we can all kind of, I mean, again, I'm not trying to racially profile. <laughs> the, the the American biker, yeah. Now the American you know. biker comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. Quite honestly, um, mm-hmm. just kind of all society is outcast from any kind of different direction. Well, I mean, but it's also just a toy, right? It's also a rich dude's toy. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Like, like I mean that that's that's kind of what gets to me about like these kind of cultural signifiers that I was like they don't actually mean that they're a good person though. Right, like, just because you're vegan doesn't mean you're not a fucking dickhead, right? <laughs> and there's always a little bit of the small. I mean, think about this: <clears throat> it's as easy to start a motorcycle gang as it is to start a small business. All you really got to do is get your friends together and get a little spot to hang out, and boom, you're done. I mean, technically, you're in a motorcycle gang. Maybe if if you're not committing any crimes, you've just done it. You're in an MC. You know, you and your buddies, you're hanging out, you get little cuts. I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to do anything. And I think that's what a lot of these things are, like, you know, the ones that aren't actual organizations that end up in the news. I, you know, I think a lot of these guys, like rich guys, you know, not, they're not all millionaires or they're not all doctors and lawyers. A lot of them are just like a guy that had a successful business and now he's like semi-retired or something. Now he's going to dump his money into something else. He's like, oh, well, how can I get the you know an extra few percent off of you know taxes by writing this through a business and that's what a lot of these start out as is like a cover business Mm -hmm. for illegal operations clearly but in other ways it's also for the business owners to route personal things through business to save you know the 40 to 50 percent you can by claiming as a commercial investment and all that stuff so Mm -hmm. and then you know on top yeah my lumber company owns a small boat one thousand percent. And you justify, yeah. You you justify it by saying we take the employees out on it every summer for our 
employee barbecue, which maybe not even be bullshit, right? That mm -hmm. may even be true, mm -hmm. right? Still doesn't change the fact that he's that the owner of the company is the one using the boat 99% of the fucking time, I, right? I, the number one thing that you will learn, uh, well, the number one thing that can oh. be taken away from uh, any discussion like this is that how much businesses will use promotional expenses, a quote unquote, to classify those as for tax write-offs, almost anything can be justified okay. as a promotional expense. Almost anything. Like, it's, and have been. Like, mm -hmm. it's unbelievable what can be written off that way. So uh, be aware of that and think about that when every time you uh, see a small business, like if you're ever thinking around in town, like that business can't make any money. They never have any customers. It's because someone owns that business to route all their personal finances through in some way mm -hmm. or conceal them in some way. It's just literally a front business. Yeah. Like we all saw the wire. And it know? doesn't have to be cocaine or heroin. It could just be like some guy has, he wants to save taxes essentially on buying i don't know whatever the fuck he buys that's it <laughs> so it's funny because i was talking to somebody about this too right like i was like you know some people treat real estate in santa fe the way like i'm like you know how like when you see a lot of cars registered in wyoming to people who don't like live in wyoming yes but it's because it costs like two dollars or some shit to like register a car there. Except yeah. like the problem is you have to like go to Wyoming okay. to I'm do it. Take my car to Cheyenne when I move back to New Mexico. Yeah, no, no exactly. I want right. that cool. No, I want really that baby blue like plate. That. I really do. I want that plate. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I swear to God, it is something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's something like That's it costs right. like five dollars, but like you have to. Like... There's like seven people in the entire state. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Right? <laughs> There's like the governor and then like the people they rule, and this, that's it. That's all there yeah. is. And, like, they don't even make money from, like, their own plates, of course. That's why they just open it up to, like, anyone else. Again, the only catch, I think, is you have to actually, like, have the car in Wyoming for, like, a brief moment or whatever. I don't, again, I don't know. It's probably because they were, like, the license plate company was, like, minimum, Wyoming you have to make a million of them. And they're, like, oh, no, there's not even that many citizens. Now, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're just like giving them away. Anyone want to anywhere? Or you can buy them individually, yeah. but that's like three times the price. So, so that just doesn't make any sense. It's like office supply <laughs> company. Even more, way more expensive than just buying the whole million. We'll you know you're going to use 2,000 pens in the history of this company. You just got to find a place to put them. See, that's really the problem. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save you 5%. <laughs> Oh, that used yeah, to be a like job. I'm, yeah, <laughs> no, no interest in going to Wyoming, really. Like maybe no, one day I'll be passing I've been through. there a couple of times. I went there for the big uh, when we had the solar, whatever. The, the sun went away. <laughs> yeah, solar eclipse, twenty seventeen, and then I went there in twenty sixteen. <laughs> it was it was very it was, fun. it was a fun little quick trip. Oh Jesus! That entire state feels abandoned. Oh God. Yeah, because it's one of the Western ones, kind of like New Mexico. I've been, yeah. uh, I've been so mad at the government, Brian. It would be so cool. I mean, it's a beautiful place. Cheyenne's a, a beautiful town. There's like no one anywhere. There's like barely any cars on the road. It looks like it's just like a fictional town. Like, it's very mm -hmm. weird. Went to a Chinese food restaurant there once uh, in Cheyenne on this corner of, of this block. And then I realized that we were like right across the street from like the capital. And we couldn't mm -hmm. even tell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I spent time in Casper. Uh, um, 
Casper, Wyoming. Okay. So uh, uh, let, let me actually, so I, I used to date someone once upon a time uh, who had gone to school in at the University of Wyoming in Cheyenne, I guess is where it is. Okay. But for whatever reason, hold on, let me, I may be misremembering the place names, but I was definitely in Casper for a while. Yes, because we went through Cheyenne to get up to Casper. So we went kind of deep in there to Wyoming okay. for like a little minute. Um, gosh. I remember I was really involved with the DSA when I was visiting and I went to go meet. That's the first time we've like ever said the DSA socialists. on this podcast before. I know, right? I'm going to try to avoid talking about the words progressive or politics, even though we talk about that stuff all the time, just because like it's all the time too on yeah. the nose to say yeah. those words. So, Still, though, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I don't think that that's shocking, no. right? To really anyone who knows this either, yeah, right? Um, but I did go meet with the... Uh, uh, Wyoming. I don't remember what they call it. I don't know if it was the Cheyenne chapter or was someone else. We were in Cheyenne for a little minute, though. But I did meet with some of the socialists in Wyoming. And some of them were like a couple of young kids. Hold on. And I just stuff. have to process and, my thoughts. Yeah. So, okay. Socialists in Wyoming. All four of them? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, like. <laughs> Well, because it's I'm not making fun. There's not many people, like, so I'm just no, I'm doing the yeah, the exactly. ratio yeah, of like, people to people. Yeah. All 100, four of the 100 people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, but we we had discussions about what it's like to, um, you know, being active in Santa Fe meant that there was like some familiarity with like kind of the needs of rural communities. In a, in a completely different way than it is when you live in dense populations. Like, it's just a completely different way of thinking and acting and being. And, like, the need for self-reliance in a place like Casper, Wyoming, is actually tremendous. So, nonetheless, the concept of communalism, togetherness, as it were, it is actually how communities make it, right? That's the difference between some fucking crackpot out in the middle of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, literally in a hair suit, versus people who say, I'm going to come down and live in Cheyenne. It's at least a larger town. There's more people. There's a movie theater. There's more than one grocery store. You know, like shit like that. Like, yeah. They make conscious decisions to move there again for whatever reason. They may still need to stay in Wyoming because what family's there, right? I mean, it's also what frustrates me about people who are like, "Well, these are red states." I'm like, "They're red states because power has taken that state." That doesn't mean that it's merely populated by red state people, right? Yeah, and taking a state with very few citizens is way easier than if there was more citizens. So, yeah. I mean, so, like, it was yeah. literally just about making, I don't know, I say for me, it was just about making sure that those folks didn't feel like they were unsupported or, like, that they were, like, crazy for wanting to, like, kind of bring that vibe to fucking Wyoming. I'm like, no, you're, I'm like, I'm trying to do it over there. So, like, it seems kind of crazy because we're not in the Bronx, right? Like, 
It almost makes me wish, although this wouldn't make any sense, but it, it does make me wish there was like a minor and major league system for like... Listen, if you're the senator of Wyoming, you're basically like in the minor leagues. Like maybe one day you can be a New York senator or something, but this is where you start. You start out governing yeah. like 150,000 people. Yeah. And we'll see how yeah, you yeah, get yeah. where you get. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, I've been really bad. Like I've been up. really mad at the government. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. How long? Let's, let's just <laughs> a really long time. I heard a Rage really? Against the Machine CD once when I was like 12, and I think I've uh, <laughs> been feeling it ever since. Yeah. No. Exactly. Oh my god. Mm. Oh my god. Oh, so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt there. I was just looking. Mm something here weren't we talk were we um were we talking about something before that we were just talking about the motorcycle gangs but oh, that yeah. was pretty much it i mean it's just kind of wild you know but same thing like uh it's why like i mean i don't know i just uh it's wild to me that even that can still happen in this day and age like oh, there's yeah. something that still seems somewhat like cartoonish about it right like um yeah do you th like Dennis? Yeah. Like um, you know, like uh, what's his name? Dennis Leary is dead. You know, like he's he's buried up in Taos. Like the motorcycle era. I'm sorry, guys. Or gone. Dennis Dennis Hopper. Like, we did this last week too. Dennis Hopper. Dennis Leary is alive and well. I'm gonna keep doing it. Making though. comedy specials, probably. probably. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. Maybe they both are in, a, in heaven. I hope he's in a demolition. Dennis Leary. <laughs> Leary. He's up in heaven. He's just no, visiting. Wait, what's Dennis Leary's the Then what's the other guy's name? Dennis Leary, Dennis Hopper was. No, 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 no oh. not that guy. I know Dennis Hopper. <laughs> I was being stupid again. Timothy Leary, that's who it is. I was oh, like, yes. who's the guy who does acid all the time? He's like the 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 um <laughs> the drugs guy. Yes. Okay. Drugs guy. I'm sorry. Okay. Fuck. Okay, so all three of them are the ones that get curled up in my head, like at the same time. Like they're all just okay. interchangeable up there. I, like it doesn't matter. Like, a few. There's a few. Um, the Chris's, Chris Pratt, Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth. There's another one too. The white Chris male actors. I didn't even know there were that many Chris's. I confuse them all the time, and I confuse them with people who aren't even a Chris, but they all kind of look like the same person. <laughs> no, see, now they're all just Chris. I will refuse to differentiate them. <laughs> the next time I'm at the movies, I'm going to be like, oh. Which Chris is this? Does this have Chris? <laughs> Does this movie have Chris? Oh, good. Okay, good. I like this one. I like Knives Out. But there was no Chris in the Knives Out sequel, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, my God. See, all, Chris. All, those, all those Marvel films, they all had Chris's in them, so they were all <laughs> yeah. doing great. <laughs> I'm going to do a Chris boycott. <laughs> uh, Chris Pine's okay, though. Every once in a while, you know, he was uh, Captain... Kirk, I guess, right? No well, Star you know, Kirk. at least it's not a Matt. Oh no, we don't want any of those. Although Ooh. you don't really want a Chris Pratt. You don't really want a Chris Pratt these days either. For a the Chris same, for the Pratt, same reasons. A Chris Matt, a Matt Chris, a Ruth Chris. It's just you, too much. And you definitely don't want any of the um, brothers. 
Wahlberg either i don't think or the vanderpump ones right you don't want them uh, either. let me think well no on basis you don't want them as employees at all anywhere um lisa can keep them in her little restaurant <laughs> i've been watching <laughs> all that show by the way i am almost i would i need to start i have not six. at all i have, I have no six. idea what this show is about i have tell me about it tell well, me about okay it. so here's let me just start before we, this i guess we haven't gotten into anything really yet so this is it okay. i have watched yeah. six and a half seasons that is well <gasps> over 100 episodes of this show is there's what? only there's only 10 seasons and each season is oh, 20 something there's only 10 seasons there's only 10 seasons uh because compared to kardashians which had 20 but no has like 40 yeah, at this or, point. And, yeah. yeah exactly with all the spin-offs, with all the spin-offs all it's things. true it yeah, really no, is like 40 um yeah no i was not exaggerating i have you know, so that wasn't even sarcastic no in my in my kardashian mm-hmm. timeline i am actually probably at somewhere in the 16 to 17 seasons range i think wow probably wow. i'm at season 10 and then all the spinoffs is probably do you start so you know how they all start like in my head they all start like slot cars in slightly different spots yes so as you've been watching it do you watch the entire like once you get to like the second show do you start that synchronously so that's what i did with teen mom (laughs) as well i did teen mom and then you do teen mom you do see so with teen mom you do season one of teen mom actually no what you do is you watch the 16 and pregnant episodes because there's an episode for each of those girls that's going to be on Teen Mom and Teen Mom 2. And I suggest you just watch... Oh, right. No, we had this about Teen Mom. You should watch yeah. the Teen Mom 1 Moms episodes of 16 and Pregnant. Then you watch season mm-hmm. 1 of, of Teen Mom. Then you watch the 16 and Pregnant episodes of the Teen Mom 2 Moms. Then you watch season two of Teen, or season 1 of Teen Mom 2. Then you can just go back and forth between Teen Mom 1 and Teen Mom 2 oh. as you want. Uh, basically, like the seasons are simultaneous at that point, but they're only offset by one year. So you just keep that in mind. Gotcha. Forward. But gotcha. On, on Paramount, gotcha. there's the air dates. So you don't have to like be confused. Think about it too hard. That's that's nice of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> either way, Teen Mom is a fascinating show, but it's a totally different show. Which show are we just talking mm-hmm. about? Um, Vanderpump. Vanderpump. Yeah, so Vanderpump is a fascinating show that I think deserves a lot of discussion i think you you'll definitely want to watch this mm-hmm. whole thing the the, the okay. interaction from bar the bar aspect of your your enjoyment and familiarity with the world of bars from bar rescue and in employee management or, or employee uh conflict resolution uh may <laughs> if you enjoy that if you enjoy that, you're gonna love this. No, I do. I'm sorry. Hold on. I started closing out the tabs that I pulled up while you and I had been talking earlier. And mm-hmm. because I have ADD, like I, I was like, well, let me just make sure this is the right one. Do you have some good tabs? <laughs> when open? I looked up the ivory replacement, <laughs> I yeah, had it written down. Hold on, and it says. Elephants welcome development of new ivory substitute. <laughs> it's another message from the ethical scrimshaw revivalists. <laughs> Hold on, I need to send you this link. Please. I have it written down here. Um, I didn't just say that really quickly. I didn't just say this really quickly without reading it from my written down paper. I wasn't able to say ethical scrimshaw uh, revivalists alternative revival very quickly without reading it. So I had that joke ready. Let's get materials today. Holy shit. This is an ins- We need to be reading more materials today. Elephants. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm really sorry because I was really trying 22nd to of April, attention. 2021. <laughs> yes, you Elephants welcome development of new ivory substitute. And I couldn't ignore that. For centuries, ivory was used to make art objects. But to protect elephant populations, the ivory trade was banned internationally in 1989. Hold on, hold on, oh, yeah. hold on don't we have a voice that can read it? Oh, yes, hold on, this is much better. Yeah, my voice is nothing compared to this. No, I mean, no offense. I mean, hold I on, let me, I'm going to click the button where you can see my screen so you know what I'm doing here. Uh, oh my god this fucking headline sound. sure okay. okay now you can see my screen oh wow this is confusing hold on <laughs> we can minimize this minimize this i make this go away okay now you're here can you see yourself right now that'd be weird yes i can <laughs> oh, hold no, on let's make that go away at the work zoom earlier this week and i was like flipping out i can't minimize the zoom oh but i can drag it down here <laughs> i guess okay <laughs> or here i'll just change the panel okay so now let me open the tab again okay and then oh. i'm gonna copy oh. the text here i'll get this okay and okay now we're gonna oh i already read some words i like oh, the, yeah, i like I the uh-huh. <laughs> i like the word that they came up with for it but we're gonna have oh. actually you know <laughs> I yes like that, that said in a voice hold on actually you know the best thing to do would be to take it and put it through gpt4 and then say please present all this information uh at the top please present all of the following information for the podcast as above and then I copy this and then I paste it into our reality issues podcast introduction where it knows uh, that who we're trying oh, to get see. to say it. Please present all the following posts. Okay. Oh, I see. Our above personality of. Very. Okay, so now they'll really know um, what we're going what we're for. Going for okay. Oh, can Zarvox read to us just Oh, wow, this is original? way faster now. Holy shit. So this is a big upgrade. Um, uh, just last week, remember, I was still complaining, or mm-hmm. last time we recorded an episode, I was complaining about how uh, they were limiting us to, like, 25 messages per three hours. I guess that's gone now. Okay. And do you see how fast it's writing, too? Oh, my gosh, yeah. That's GPT-4. GPT-4 used to write, like, a quarter of the speed. So something's happened in the background. Um, okay, there we go. Hey, oh, technology I see, I see. is uh, yeah. Technology is yeah. No, I'm seeing what's happening. Progressing. That's neat. I like that. That's fun. Okay, so now we'll do this because that'll it'll uh, speak it as a person better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. Oh wow, and it's um only like halfway through the character quota too. Okay, let me click the button. 
in a voice resembling President Obama. Hello, good folks, and welcome back to Reality Issues. This is your host, post-presidential AI Obama, guardian of the legendary Chaos Emeralds. In today's episode, we're going to dive into a fascinating breakthrough in art restoration that's making waves internationally. Oh, thank you. You see, for centuries, ivory was a go-to material for crafting AI intricate Obama. art objects. But in 1989, the ivory trade was banned internationally in a bid to protect elephant populations. Mm. This noble decision created a unique challenge for art restorers, how to replace ivory and old art objects with a satisfactory substitute. The solutions ranged from bones and shells to plastic, but none could quite capture the genuine feel of ivory. <laughs> that was until now. Researchers at Vienna University now. of Technology, or TU Win, in Austria, in collaboration with the 3D printing company Cubicure GmbH, a spin-off from TU Win itself, the Archdiocese of Vienna's department. I feel like Obama should know that, wasn't he? Like a fucking developed a high-tech substitute for international. This exciting development is reported in a paper in Applied Materials today. The team christened. Let me just take a little side note here. I don't think there's anyone in this world who more understands exactly where we're headed than Obama, and I mean that in the most cynical way possible. And he knew this 15 years ago, and he let us. He there we go. Material. Diggory. Diggory is composed of synthetic resin and calcium phosphate particles, in a state-of-the-art 3D printer. This mixture is heated to a liquid state, then hardened with UV rays to achieve the desired shape. The material can then be polished and color matched to create a remarkably authentic looking ivory substitute. The inspiration behind this project was a 17th century state casket in the parish church of Mauerbach. Adorned with small ivory ornaments, some of which were lost over time, the question emerged whether these could be replaced using 3D printing technology. Creating a suitable ivory substitute was no small feat. The team had to ensure the material not only resembled ivory, but also matched its strength, stiffness, and machinability. I love After numerous experiments, they struck a balance with a special resin containing tiny calcium phosphate particles and extremely fine silicon oxide powder. Machinability? The resultant material, diggory, is not just a major advancement in ivory substitutes, but its production using it? 3D printing also enables the sure. reproduction of the Not finest sure. details automatically. It's like this cuts down on the hours oh, usually spent so painstakingly like carving ivory machine. substitute materials. This development underscores the expansive potential of stereolithography, a type of 3D printing. And the okay. hope moving forward is that diggory becomes the go-to high-quality ivory substitute, ensuring that no elephant has to lose a tusk for the sake of art. That's the power of innovation. The magic of bridging the old and new. Of course. As we delve deeper into these topics, I invite you to stay curious, stay tuned, and join us as we explore the many dimensions of our reality. Thank you, uh, uh, um, post-presidential AI Obama, keeper of those legendary gems, the Chaos Emeralds. <clears throat> to be clear, okay, it's not so, the Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's they're doing that to make sure that we can't say that that's actually him i think you know which is fair we've never pretended otherwise indeed we would introduce it as our ai robot fake voice you know exactly we've certainly never attempted to deceive our <laughs> our listeners into thinking we've actually landed <laughs> obama as a guest 
<laughs> or uh and 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 i have thought about this at length i think that an american president is probably the most uh like usable without copyright permission voice you could possibly have in the world yeah no so. exactly like the most public of public figures yeah. <laughs> like if i used like i don't know my neighbor i might get sued right yeah, but, but if like, everyone on earth knows like, your name then the most famous person on earth yeah, yeah. like <laughs> Oh. No, I don't worry about those things. I'm just going to be like, Your Honor, this is stupid. Can I go home? Here, I'm going to give this to... Uh... That's like literally my defense. <laughs> oh. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, Brian. I... No, we are okay. living in quite a world, man. It's okay. Uh, I live in a state where they don't really like him too much anyway, either. Just because yeah, of other no, reasons. They... <laughs> so... Most people in New Mexico still don't have internet, so I'm not really in any danger. <laughs> it's good. To, it's a good fact to keep in mind. Um, oh, here, let me, let me please. Um, no, okay. Yes. So, like, check this out. Like, mm -hmm. I so I saw a headline recently in one of our local papers that said something like, "While the state of New Mexico has received." quite a bit of state and federal funding specifically allocated for broadband infrastructure expansion and development, there is a scarcity of such workers. Now, of course, I know why there's a scarcity of such workers, because they refuse to pay to train any or probably to give them a wage worth all doing all of that fucking work. Right. <laughs> Why would they do that if they can just work at Comcast and it's like fine, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. I anyway, like it just it seems like like having to go work out in like the middle of the New Mexico desert is kind of challenging and I feel like you'd have to pay quite a bit of money to make it worthwhile for someone to want to go lay fucking cable out in the middle of what, this heat? Yeah. Jesus. There's um do you know about that Las Lunas Facebook facility that they have out there? Uh, uh -huh. It has like, it's like a secret little beehive of Facebook that they run some data servers uh -huh. up there or something. Uh -huh. um, they, I still don't know if that place is like completely finished. Like they're, they're supposed to like, there was uh -huh. like massive infrastructure i know that they needed to like get some kind of data connection from like somewhere some other node in like the internet world to like that spot um it was gonna be i remember i was looking for the job openings when i was still living in santa fe at the time because i was trying to get like okay. a basic level job but then i didn't realize there wasn't even like a facility to work at they were basically hiring people to like con somewhat construct and plan the place at the time um yeah, I've always wondered, like, what the fuck is happening up there, because they don't ever talk yeah. about it. And it supposedly was, like, a data center, but I don't... I mean, they have those all yeah. over the place, and they have them in unmarked locations where they don't hire, like, specific staff and make a bunch of press about it, too, so... Um, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. But that's no, what I, I think of when I think know. of data lines in New Mexico, is I think of whatever Facebook is doing in Los Lunas. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, we've just gotten, we, we just had a successful launch uh, in, um, at Virgin Spaceport under oh. our 
local billionaire. I say local because he's not really from here, but Richard Branson, Virgin Galactic, its headquarters is in at Spaceport, New Mexico, just outside of Truth or Consequences. And it just uh, had a successful launch. Wow. Uh, earlier the, last week? That's huge. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't hear yeah. about this at all. That's huge. Okay, yeah. Here, hold on. Let me find it because I retweeted some of the shit they were doing. Because the one that SpaceX just made in Florida, they like blew it up when they launched that last rocket. They like melted the yeah. entire place. So Or we covered that, I guess. Oh, um, I also ran a poll. Um, you're on Love is Blind. Do you choose Brett with one T, uh-huh. Brett with two T's, uh-huh. Brent uh-huh. or Brant? And Brant won with a runaway share of 52.6%. Both Brett and Brent tied with 21% and Brett with a single T got a mere 5.3% of the vote. I guess I would Brent. Brent. I think Brent is a nice name. Let me click on this. There was a follow-up question. You're on Love is Blind. Do you choose Haley? (laughs) Haley? Ashley? Or the vaguely ethnic name. Oh. And the vaguely ethnic name is the one that ran away in the landslide with 64.7%. Which I think is a lie because I feel like on Love is Blind, they always choose Haley, Kaylee, and Ashley before picking the vaguely (laughs) ethnic name. I'm going to rebroadcast that for our audience. Sorry, I'm not trying to be a hater or nothing. Something I've noticed. Yeah, we go back to where we are. I haven't watched that show yet, but I will. Uh, oh yeah, back to my six and a half. That's right. That's where we were mm-hmm. off before we got. To, so six and a half seasons. So I've watched six and a half seasons of Vanderpump Rules, and it's basically a show. Six and a, wow, that's crazy. You know, that's actually kind of funny. The biggest hail I ever saw was in town. 2.7 inch. Damn. That almost looks fake how crazy it is. Um, so six and a half seasons of Vanderpump Rules is taught me a lot about relationships it's taught me a lot about friendships mostly friendships i would say more than anything it's taught me a lot about um uh interpersonal relationships at work it's taught me about uh, management both good and bad it's taught me about a lot it will teach you about a lot of things too probably um and let me just think Mm -hmm. for a minute like which direction i want to take this So, in season one, the biggest conflict is that, uh, you know, kind of the main female character, Stassi, is being supposedly cheated on by her boyfriend, Jax. 
And these are people who work. Well, let me let me back up. Vanderpump Rules is a mm -hmm. show primarily about a select cast of the employees at a restaurant that Lisa Vanderpump, a woman who was you know famous about town before in West Hollywood um, before the Housewives shows, but she was one of the original Housewives. And she was able oh, to yeah. turn okay. that into, she was definitely and is the most successful housewife by far. Like, got you. In terms of taking, a, you know, being like a socialite about West Hollywood and just being like a, a supporter of like the gay community in Hollywood and stuff like that and transitioning from just, I am just like a, a famous socialite about town into, uh, uh, like a complete brand and business explosion. I mean, it's, it's incredibly impressive. So Lisa Vanderpump, I'll start from the beginning and tell you what I know after six and a half seasons of background and, you know, explanations and stuff like that. Lisa Vanderpump is, I believe she was originally on either. We can, you can look it up uh, maybe on Wikipedia, mm -hmm. but it was originally, she was on entertainment tonight or one of those shows. She won. A, she is a countess. She is from, I think she might be like related to her mom is like a, a like a countess from a, some other country in, in Eastern Europe, maybe, or something like that. I don't know what her deal is exactly, but either way, she was okay. on some entertainment interview show in America, ma mainly interviewing like royalty and UK celebs in the United States. Entertainment Tonight, Entertainment, uh, uh, Hard okay. Copy, one of those kinds of like, you okay. know syndicated entertainment media show i swear okay. that's what it was anyway but early in her life she married uh ken todd i think his name is and he's like okay. a big restaurant business owner in los angeles or was um i maybe okay. they met back in the uk i don't know the whole story but okay. <clears throat> it doesn't matter eventually they may end up in los angeles they own a bunch of restaurants and bars in los angeles a series of them she okay. always increases the number of projects that she you know has to her name and at this point in the show it should be basically pointed out that her husband is definitely like retired from the spotlight and from the businesses it definitely seems like he's just kind of in the background like having drinks and you know taking gotcha. his life and, and lisa's definitely taken over the reins of like everything in his life and otherwise like he had his time and now she gets her time basically and mm -hmm. you can tell like her whole house is her she's turned like all of this would sound bad if she had a shitty personality or she was like an unthoughtful person or unkind or uncaring or whatever but she always knows the perfect thing to say and it's not just because it's an edited show you can tell when there's heavy situations when there's heated scenarios that can't be like rescheduled reshot or whatever that are just happening in the moment she still always knows what to say she knows okay, so how to treat people kindly and give advice yes oh yeah because i feel like it gave me some insight into this this person you just described i it was like I was reading these bits while you were saying all this, and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well, all of this makes sense, even though you don't really know these details. So yes. okay. she was. She was born in London. There you go. Um, and uh, I guess her father was an ad guy. Okay. 
Her older brother will become a DJ and businessman in his own right, which I guess his name is Mark Vanderpump. I don't, I've never heard that name. I've never seen him on the show. Um, And then uh, it says that she started, uh, that she enrolled in drama school um, when she was like a kid. Um, So like, I mean, she came from wealth and privilege, it sounds like, right, to some degree. Um, And then she says that uh, she became a child actress. She started in like age 13. And she did, she was on, she had like minor roles in TV throughout the 70s, 80s and 90s. She was in music videos. Interesting. And it wasn't until 2010 Oh, she, yeah, and she was, like, in commercials for brands. Okay, okay. Shampoo commercials, shit like that, it looks like. And then it's in 2010 that she finally makes this splash on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, where she's there for nine years. So I'm remembering someone else's housewife backstory as hers until now. That's what it was. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, either way. But you're right that her husband is a restaurateur. Yes. That's a that's a Ken, Ken Todd. Todd. Yeah, and so he like has a shitload of shit. Um and then after the real housewives, it's probably like she, I guess she starts appearing on a variety of other bullshit like dancing with the stars and spin-off shows and all of mm-hmm. that nonsense. So, yeah. And and Vanderpump Rules is a show just about her and specifically about um a few, a few restaurant properties that she owns, starting with Sir, mm-hmm. if you're going to start there. And I, I won't really go into the rest, but mm-hmm. eventually she opens up another one. And season two is called Pump, which was mm. until it just closed. But it was in West mm. Hollywood, and it was like the largest like square footage gay focus like bar slash club sort of. Okay. Um, was uh, and it, it was because of mm-hmm. rent. I guess their rent skyrocketed probably because they're like, oh, you're on a successful yeah. TV show based around the set. The, the our property is yeah. your set, so we can charge whatever we want now. And then they said, no, we'll reopen it somewhere else. So yeah. Um, but the show is wow. set around Sir, which is stands for a sexy, unique restaurant. But of course, uh, also in French, like Sir La Table or something like that. On top, yeah. it's the whole. It goes with the thing, and the whole idea yeah. is that like, it's sort of like. Imagine classy Hooters, right? Yeah. Like it's a sexy feel, a sexy aesthetic, but it's not really like, you know, you're still going to have dinner there. And it's not like, yeah. Yeah. It's not like that kind of a sexy thing. Um, and somewhere where like you bring. There's going to be tasteful Renaissance nudes on the wall yeah. that are like yeah. in ornate Baroque frames and shit. Yeah, right. Like, exactly. Uh, I, can picture, I can picture it right now. It's completely right? it. Like, and and, and uh, Lisa describes it as. She has a, a, a main, the main. Are there candles on the table? Yes, there are. Um, and they're big, like, oh, you remember, think of like, um, like 90s plush oversized chairs, um, stuff you would see in like a friend's themed. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, you totally it. see it. You totally know, see it. yeah, the, uh, the frame, the, fr- think of uh, the aesthetic of the frame on the back of, uh, the door on mm. friends. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. it. So, um, Lisa has often described her main restaurant, which we never see because it's like actually supposed to be respectable, respectable and like normal. Uh, Villa Blanca is where you bring your wife and Sir is where you bring your mistress. That's how she describes it. And then Pump is where you bring your boyfriend, as she described it. Uh, And it is a very interesting uh, collection of people who work there. Um, I guess I'll start off with the main cast. We have 
Tom Sandoval, who is currently the person being uh, the center of the big scandal that's going on right now in reality television world. If you haven't heard, Tom Sandoval, a long time, he's kind of like the main cast member because Jack Scott, I guess, gets kicked off here in a little bit. But um, Tom Sandoval uh, is originally in a relationship with Kristen. Then he's in a relationship with Ariana for the rest of the show. So from seasons three till 10, he's in a relationship with Ariana. And it's a fascinating situation to look back and forth at, knowing that it breaks up at season 10 the way that it does if you follow the TMZ news, because there's like a cheating affair. And a lot of people in the cast knew about it, but they didn't tell her for various reasons, because some people felt, you know, like it wasn't their place or whatever. It's the whole, I mean, that's what makes up the drama, right? So I'm watching this whole show knowing that eventually this like very cute perfect relationship we see develop in season three falls apart in season 10 and there is something that happens like right at the very beginning where you're like oh they can't just like move over this and go over this and just never come back to this like there's a there's a miami girl in this sequence in season three where you're like oh this is really weird tom Tom Sandoval, this guy I love, who's always saying the right thing, is always respectful to everyone, is like always, you know, never, never out of line, always like the peacemaker. Is is what what is going on in his head that is making him start right about here in the timeline cheating on on Ariana? And then you see over time, you're like constant in the back of your mind. That's just what's happening. You're watching the show, but you're like, what's happening here? Like, what is going on? And then, hell, by season six and a half here, like you're i'm completely wrapped in and i'm just like reading all the signals and i'm like what's happening in the relationship and then they talk and that's the thing is you don't have to guess mm-hmm. this show mm-hmm. is about everyone talking about every single inch there is mm-hmm. not a centimeter of their relationship left out of this show it is the reddit relationship wow. like not that I read that, but this is the Reddit relationship. Oh, I read that shit. If you took that and made, <laughs> I know, and, and I know Spam says too. If you took that and you made it into, <laughs> if you took that and you made it into a TV show, plus the like workplace complaints like thing, that is what this show is. It is just people getting into relationships with each other. There's a cast of a rotating cast of let's say eight to 14, 16 people. And it is very human and very realistic. And I promise that if the only thing that's ever set up is when they're filming certain sequences, because obviously they can't have cameras on these people for an entire summer, like all the time. And usually what they do is I think it's about a four to five month window that they're going to be like, okay, we're going to be filming you. And they set it up and they talk about all the drama that happens in between. And they are transparent about everything. Eventually, if they hold anything back, they will get there eventually because someone's going to confront them about it. And then they're going to have to like, they, they use it as therapy. And at the end of every season, Andy Cohen gets together with them and has basically a three, four hour like therapy session where everyone like gets all their grievances off and like, they like scream and yell at each other. And then they walk away like smiling at the end. It's like fucking crazy. Um, or some of them don't. It depends. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't mm-hmm. come back the next season. Some of them do. Some of them are like at each other's necks at the end of that. And at the beginning of the next season, like best friends again, like between the reunion to like when it started, they like made up and they're cool again. Um, you know, and it's really about friendships more than relationships. Even I would say even the, the, the relationships that are unsuccessful are still underpinned by successful friendships. So like, oh. um, for example, there's a, there's another Tom, Tom Schwartz, and there's Katie, 
And they're basically the core couple that makes it from the beginning of the show until where I am now. They're still together. The only couple that is together still where I am at the show. And they are clearly in a very dysfunctional relationship, but it works for them. And that's what is very interesting from an observational angle is looking at all these different relationships that these people have. And although they're dysfunctional and falling apart and they end up with other people or whatever, it, it is in the like watching it, watching it happen, like slowly in yeah. stages, watching these people slowly separate or get back together or then like hate each other, but then realize like, Oh, I was the asshole there. And then they apologize. Like, and there's so many heartfelt apologies in this show. Never has a group of friends on a television show been so willing to both forgive and accept forgiveness. Like, and it's quite, that is the most shocking takeaway I would say. But you know, I, I, I think one of the parallels you just drew that I'm kind of, of course, as always I'm talking stuck about, with they do some when... mean stuff to each other too. Oh, I'll bet, right? So uh, you just compared it to like all of the fucking Reddit forums that talk about relationships, relationship advice. Like I read them because I really like those like aggregator ones on Twitter. Yeah. But like they stop posting because like Twitter is a cesspool, right? Oh, yeah. So I don't blame them. So the only way I could get my fix on this was like, well, I had to start reading it which it was like kind of fine because it was like twitter's accessible and i've been kind of busy so i haven't even spent time on the new website even though i got an invite mm. and like so i just yeah. i made an account i haven't really used it. I, it it feels like i haven't had the space in my head to like stay there for a minute um but anyway that's a different yeah, story I might, I might go there and stay i don't know i've been thinking about just going there and staying and not coming back to twitter I feel like I need to do some house cleaning on Twitter first too. Like I feel like I the, the, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it, one of the things that I'm I, I have found interesting, even in those in, in those Reddit communities, is that like someone will post a, a question, a query, a relationship scenario. And for some reason, the community will jump on some story or another as fake. Mm -hmm. And they will bombard this person for why would they tell this fake story? Um, and, and maybe there's something that gives it away. Maybe there's, there's some lag or something that as someone who hasn't been on the site very often, like just is missing, right? But... Um, it's still really funny to me because it, 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 it still gets back to this thing that you and I always talk about with reality television, which is like, to what extent is it real? To what extent is it fake? It, to what extent is that true about any of our lives? Like, how would you and I start acting if a camera was suddenly shoved in our fucking faces, right? Like, um, yeah. we make that joke even about us hitting record on the podcast itself like that there is somehow an awareness yeah. of pre-button hitting you and i mm -hmm. and post button hitting you and i right like, i wish i could always be the post button hitting you and i you know but it takes a lot of energy and effort i mean i am this person right yeah i am mm -hmm. but uh you know i don't know maybe i am this person all the time I have to think about that more. 
than just in this moment. No, well, it's 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 um it's different because we know we had like 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 we've we've created like an artificial bumper time frame, right? Like, um, and I say artificial because we we know we have to start at some point. We know at some point we're going to end, right? Um, yeah. But we're not able to do what we would do if you and I were actually together as friends in the real world, which is like, I don't know, we'd actually sit and watch Vanderpump Rules together and not speak a fucking word to each other for like 30 or 40 minutes. And then when it was like, hey, can you pause it? I need to go take a piss or I need to go get another beer or some shit. That's when we would be like, okay, well, let's take a moment to be like, now let's yap about whatever fucking stupid thing is in our head, right? And it would happen, I I guess, for lack of a better word, more organically. Yeah. Right? Because that same, I don't know, artificial time bumper isn't really there or something. And I say, again, it's not really artificial of a time bumper, right? Because I know that if I have some fucking stupid thought that I did think about while you and I were on the podcast it's fine I'll just fucking text it to you or whatever I'll be like next time right like so there isn't really a fucking bumper but it's like it's like why I check in at work and say hey I kind of want to get my work done and get the fuck out of here yeah it's not a real time bumper right like no one's gonna yell at like like if I tell Tyler I'll meet you at three at the bar and I actually don't show up until 3.30, no one gives a shit. Right. That's not like a real, like that may be my intention to get there, but like that's not the same thing as doors are at six, show starts at seven. Totally different, right? Like, I've always been. Uh, that one's going to happen whether I'm there or not. When you, know? you show and I up, when, you, when, when you, you see those words, when, when do you show up when you see those words? Doors at six, show at seven? Yeah. Like when when you. When do you like to show up? Oh, I will show up in the neighborhood hours before that. Okay. <laughs> so, like. Um, so, like, for example, if it says doors at six, show at seven. You're like, um, down the I might be somewhere. in the neighborhood by like five. Yeah. Like, and I'm like at the Thai restaurant taking my time with my meal, like knowing like, well, I know I have, I, I know I'm not going to be able Damn. to eat at six or at seven. So I go like, I think backwards. Well, I know I'm not going to be able to eat anything at the venue. Cause the only fucking thing they have is drinks. Right. Right. So I'm going to have to eat beforehand or afterwards. So I've I've either planned for that or or I haven't. So in my head, what I usually do is, well, let's just get there early. I'll I'll have a light nosh. I'll have a beer that isn't twelve dollars. And then I'll go to the venue to have a beer that is twelve dollars. You yes. know, like that's fine. But by then it's like my third or whatever. So I'm going to be fine for the rest of the night. Yeah, when you know? I, yeah, yeah, like, and so I give myself that time. And Brian, that's what I mean by I don't run for a fucking bus. I need to figure out, like, you're like my sensei, Kathy, in that way. Like, I, I really need to, like, I'm on board. I feel like I do that in a lot of aspects of my life, but not all of them. I just need to, like, learn how to it's just to have it. it all it's, out, it's... you know. I mean, but like, but like, that's the, like, I feel like the reason I do that is because I'm, 
I'm also accounting. Okay, so okay, I realized this, Brian, the other day because I started take. So I have I have an electric scooter that I take to work sometimes. That rules. <laughs> um, I bought it in the pandemic when I was hanging out with the teen, uh-huh. and there was nothing else to do, so. I wasn't really using it as a mode of transport. It was really just an expensive toy. Mm-hmm. We'd zip around the neighborhood and fuck around for a little while, and then we'd go home. And then that was it, because we were in the pandemic. We weren't going anywhere. She was a kid, right? Like, um, But then, like, I have this thing in my closet, and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't really ride a bike. I feel really uncomfortable on one. I've never felt steady on a bike, but I've always felt really comfortable on a scooter and on to a slightly lesser degree on a stick skateboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, a bike just in my head, I, I can't, I can't get past it. So, uh, something about my center of gravity just gives me vertigo or something. I feel too discombobulated. Yeah. Anyway, I don't fight it. I don't fight it. Mm-hmm. So I just accept it. Um, and scooters it is. And, uh, I, I timed it. I didn't, I didn't, I, I looked at what Google said it was, right? My Google map said it would be like 25 minutes, but that doesn't mean anything to me because I like to take my time. I like to stop here and have a sip of water. I like to, uh, just stop and look at the cloud passing by. Like I just, I like to do that. So I realized like in order for me to leave the house, even though it does in fact take actually 20 minutes to get from door to door from my place to work, I don't want to zip there. I want to like um, stop and get a taco or a burrito on the way in, right? Like I would want to do that with like time and not having to stress about it. So I was thinking about this as I started scooting into work. And- uh, On the Scooty Puff Jr. Yeah. On the Scooty Puff Jr. And uh, <laughs> the craziest thing happened to me, Brian. So I, there is, so it is an electric scooter, but you know, there are some hills in Santa Fe. Yeah. And it a- feels kind of stupid sometimes to be on your scooter as you're going uphill because you're you're either that or you're like foot pedaling right so you're going on your little scooter (laughs) and you're like going up the hill but because it's uphill like it slows down to like three miles an hour Mm -hmm. you want to go stupid when i okay i used to ride a a electric skateboard in town on san mateo and that that street has (laughs) a lot of hills and people used to look really fucking confused as I was going up the hill on my skateboard going, you know, five miles an hour or whatever. Like, yeah. they'd be like, what? And you can't ride on that sidewalk because it's so fucking treacherous. So you're just there on the road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what I did was I did actually what a normal person would do. I was like, well, this is stupid. I'm only going like two miles an hour or whatever because it's like yeah. uphill. <laughs> yeah. So I just hopped off my scooter. Yeah. And I just started walking. It's fine. I just walked it up the hill. And then once I got kind of up to the top of the hill, I got back on it and like, Whee! you know, like, because mm-hmm. now I'm on the other side of the hill, right? It's fine. It's fine. So craziest thing happened is while I'm walking my scooter up the hill, there is a gentleman coming in the other opposite direction. And uh, 
I'm a very friendly person, so I just said something like that just quietly, you know, kind of kindly acknowledged his existence. I must have said something like good morning or have a nice day or enjoy your walk, like just real friendly neighborly shit. And I do it to everyone, actually, when I'm on a trail like that. Um, good policy. And uh, the man replied something just as uh, uh, just as kind and genial and neighborly, and also just as one-offish, okay? Uh, but I recognized his voice. Oh. And I had my helmet on, and I had my sunglasses on, so you couldn't, like, because I, I, I'm not stupid. I do use a helmet. So I had my helmet on, and I had my glasses on. And what on, was his mode of transportation, this person? He was just walking. Okay. But was I was it... walking my scooter, because I was going uphill, and he was walking downhill. Was it... And... Okay, no. Let me guess. Do I kind of get three guesses? Sure. Was it um, Christopher Lloyd? No. Was it the mayor? No. I'm trying to think who else would actually be out walking of note. Uh, Could be anyone, really, right? Could be anyone. Yeah, tell me, Kathy. It was one of my old professors from the college I used to attend here in town. Wow. And how long had it and been I, since you'd like seen them in person? Oh gosh, 15 years. Wow. 20 years? I mean, my 20 year reunion is coming up, which is a terrifying thing to say, but I hadn't seen him since maybe one of my reunions, maybe my five year, so at least 15 years. Wow. And, uh, but I, re but I, I'd re I mean, I'd recognize that voice anywhere, you know. So I did, <laughs> and I was like, "Are you?" And he's like, "As a matter of fact, I am." And he like whipped off his glasses to <laughs> me too. He was wearing glasses, and he had one of those old man protector sun hats. Oh my god! Which is wise for any of us to wear, really. Again, I had my helmet on. Wise. And and wise. ah, and who wouldn't forget one of their best students? So. No, it's true, actually. I uh, I was one of his best mm -hmm. I knew that already. <laughs> no, of course. But nonetheless, no, so I I stood there talking with him. Gosh, I, I mean, I was late for work. Wow. I mean, well, that's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, But that was why I was like, wow, I didn't allow for enough time to recognize that, like, gosh, I'm always going to be running into fucking people on the trail because this town is small. Yes. Right? That, and again, oh, that yeah. didn't happen to me in Los Angeles because it mm. was literally just, I need to get from here to there, except for when I made the conscious decision of, no, I'm going to fucking walk to the third stop away instead of my immediate stop away because I'm going to see and enjoy something in those four blocks. And that little extra walk is going to be worth it. Yeah. And and that's that's the mindset. That that's that's the one and we don't have it. We don't have it anywhere we live and I think our quality of life fucking suffers for it. And society wants us to do that shit. Like no, and I say no. society with like in sticky caps like the Joker. Like Yeah. That's like our internal fight. That's the cop in our head. Slow the fuck down. Like you don't have to hurry. Like fuck your boss. Take yeah. an extra five minutes on the toilet. Fuck or just them. even like in, in addition to that, like take some extra time to be more conscious about how you spend your time. That's mm -hmm. all. Like, 
is how you're, whatever you're doing. It's like the baby box, man. I've been I've been fucking stuck on the baby I'm, box. I've been talking about that a lot in my personal life. Yes. Box. Oh God, I, I bring up the. Ba- I feel like I've been bringing up the baby box all week, man. Like I if the motherfucker who basically said this is how everything works, this is how the human brain works and behavior, and this is why we do certain things. Also, by the way, here's my cool box He's for insane. kids to grow up in. It's like no, no, everything else doesn't matter anymore. Everything else can put can put in the trash. You can not get to invent the baby bo- and all those other like nine things that were like totally like wild. That no, we don't need a <sighs> machine that like makes audio that we like think that we're hallucinating to. Like, ugh. I'm in pain. At least not for the purposes of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. no, that's why I keep thinking about. I'm thinking about BF Skinner and his wonderful devices. <laughs> okay, Brian. Here's what I'm gonna do. Mm. I'm going to go break out of this box. Yeah. We're going to go break out of this box. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are your, what are your plans for today? Um, let me think. Well, there's a baseball game on later. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What else? Um, hmm. I think I might read the paper, maybe. Um, but honestly, what I really want to do is I want to play that new Diablo game, and I want to play that new Zelda. Mm-hmm. That's kind of uh, Tyler's been playing the new Zelda. He can't it's, stop playing it. Yeah, and I've, I'm not mad about this. I'm, like, all in favor. Yeah. They just finished the school year. Yeah. And I'm like, go fucking play your Zelda game. Yeah, it's like... Okay, so here's here's what I'm going to tell you. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know if you have a portable switch, the the one that like travels mm-hmm. and goes, yeah. right? Um, maybe uh, your paper can travel and go. I'm going to challenge you to do one or both of those activities out in the world somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just break out of the box just for a little minute. Okay. And like enjoy people watching while you do it. And that's why I'm saying like take the paper and take the Zelda because yeah. they're kind of like low stakes bullshit, you know? People um, it's like, not like like I wouldn't like take like the book I'm actually trying to seriously read out in public, you know, because that like requires concentration. Okay. Like the baseball game, I don't like. I either want to watch it or I want to fucking talk shit with the person next to me about it. Right. right? So same thing. It just kind of depends on the mood. So like, just I'm just saying, open which of your choosing, whichever ones you like. But I'm just saying, take those and go out into the world. Because I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go out into the world. We are going to go to... I don't know where the fuck we're going. Uh, Ridoso? Oh. Capitan? Okay. Because we're down here in the south. We're down here in the southern part of the state, currently in Roswell. So right. Roswell, <clears throat> we've explored. I'm pretty... I'm pretty pretty familiar with, with this place by now. But been... we're going to expand. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like... Because yeah. I went and saw some stuff too. I'm trying to think of like um, what else is around. But I did all the touristy shit. So yeah. So we're gonna to go like do some of that shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean it's all fun. Have you been to um, Cloudcroft recently at all? That's a fun mm. little like day day vacation. Not recently, has, but we have gone there. That's a blast. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. And there's a good, there's really like a good barbecue restaurant and... there. It's worth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's where I think where we went to. Mad Cloudcroft. Jacks or something. Yeah, some yeah. shit like yeah, that. Yeah. The guy, guy serves up the pork with his, like, black plastic, like, <laughs> looks like. Yeah. 
like and so <laughs> like that, sex that work too clothes, then, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. that too then will be the challenge to anyone listening to the podcast here. Yes, they I agree. Come to an end of hearing us. Let me um, go make ahead some and... plans. They don't have to be like difficult. You know, they don't have to be like too taxing. You know, pick the spot you want to go to. Could be even a public park, you know, just could be like low key, but like I like this. Break out. I um I'm gonna read this real quick. This is uh okay. it's appropriate to what we're saying. You'll want to cut this one out since we didn't do any stories today. This is the perfect story to do. Or well, we did other stories, I suppose. Diehards still spread the word using scissors, stamps, and envelopes. Stephen Butkus is a total copycat. This is <laughs> Yep. Stephen Butkus. The 71-year-old clips newspaper and magazine articles at home in Sudbury, Massachusetts, where he keeps a photocopier, envelopes, and stamps to mail copies to family and friends. We try to inform and amuse, Butkus said of his longtime habit of circulating stuff he reads. He sometimes mails copies of the same article to multiple recipients, but generally tries to personalize his selections. Butkus recently sent his brother an article about three-story triplex homes becoming popular in Boston. We grew up in one, he said, and mailed a funny cartoon about exercising to his former health club trainer. I still see her around town, he said. Sharing newspaper clippings used to be common before internet disrupted everything. It wasn't just the move from snail mail to email. There are now a lot of fewer printed newspapers and magazines to clip from. Peter Butkus said when he was growing up, his father must have subscribed to as many as six newspapers and more than a dozen magazines. I look at myself as I read. Peter Butkus said, it's literally what I do. Peter Butkus uh, said when he was growing up, his father subscribed. It looked like a dentist office in our house. Let me just quickly... Uh, no, no, I can't. But uh, you can imagine. <laughs> no, it would fuck up all our connected it. wires. Uh, but it's, I just reorganized everything. It looks beautiful. Um, a 39-year-old head fund... Oh, excuse me. It's not... Peter, oh, his son. Okay, his son is this 39-year-old head fund manager. Okay. During the golden age of print, when newspapers were generally regarded as having the last word, people regularly... Passed around articles on shared interest or to settle arguments in I told you so missives. Parents often mail clippings as thinly veiled advice or criticism to grown children. Yes, I once got a clipping like that from my grandparent, and uh, I don't I don't even remember what it was about. Joe Kosaka's mother still mails him clips from her local paper in Niagara Falls, New York. Kosaka, uh, a 39-year-old middle school math teacher... Grew up there and now lives with his wife and two sons in King George, Virginia. The most recent clip from his mother was an obituary for his former barber, which stuck him, struck him as thoughtful and somewhat odd. We talk on the phone once a week, he said, but she didn't mention it to me at all. I found out through the mail. <laughs> Kosika's mother once sent a clipping of an advice column suggesting parents not bring babies to restaurants, he said. She had joined Kosaka and his wife at a restaurant just two weeks earlier. Kosaka's oldest son had colic and cried through the whole meal. I just talked about this yesterday. Oh, Babies really? at restaurants. I'm in favor. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm too. They're We've, human beings. Because again, and you know what? When this topic came up, you know what was happening? Hmm. We were talking about the baby box. 
Oh. Continue, please. <laughs> Just place the child in the baby box and place them on the seat next to you. <laughs> yes. She was very concerned about the people around us, Kosek recalled. The clip, <laughs> he said, was her way of saying, Aha, I told you so. For years, Marshall Burkhart said his 60s. That's what you can do. You can mail a clip to anyone who disagrees with its table. For years, <laughs> literally Facebook IRL. <laughs> It is. So what we're learning here is that the, the older generation's Facebook, Facebook tendencies. Facebook has like this forever. So the older generation was way like this before Facebook was a thing. This is, this is it. So the letters to the editor generation basically was the original posting generation. And Ooh. somehow I, like, and you oh. got, like, slotted into their, like, weird world. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> is this really what happened? We spent, did, did you and Wait, I no, this is a revelatory thing. That's this what this, happened. this yes. is literally social media sharing pre-social media. I wasn't even yes. thinking about that when I started reading this. Holy shit. Oh, I'm going to see if I can find any of my old FB books. I'm going to see if I can find... Any information about this phenomenon online? Yeah, please. For years, Marshall Burkhart said a 67-year-old father mailed him clips of editorials from various publications hoping to broaden his political views. While it doesn't always work, quote, it always puts a big smile on my face, said Burkhart. That's the right attitude. 33, an executive at a healthcare startup in the Boston area. These days, his father uses his phone's camera to send digital copies of the articles. Now, I do that. I can imagine... Um, they are impossible to read, he said, but nonetheless wow. represent the evolution of my dad. Shirley Finney, 80, of East Hartford, Connecticut, sends clippings from two local papers in envelopes adorned with heart-shaped stickers, or ones of cowboy hats and boots if she's mailing her grandson. To save on postage, Finney tries to include more than one clipping, which she cuts out using her grandmother's pinking shears to make zigzag edges. Among the many articles Finney has sent her daughter was one about how to protect dry cat food from mites. Finney recently cut out a comic strip from the Hartford Current and included it with a check to her utility company to express, express frustration with the expensive total. The joke, the inventor of electricity also invented the electric bill. I guess that's true. I mean, yeah. I am a frugal woman, she said. Article clipping and sharing dates back to the early 1800s when newspapers started mass production in urban areas, said Eric Lehman, an English professor at the University of Bridgeport in Bridgeport, Connecticut. People would cut out. This is not the research you're looking for, but I'll continue. People would cut out and mail stories as well as advertisements to relatives in rural areas who pasted them into scrapbooks. It was like curating a Facebook page, Lehman said. Sharing information online seems impersonal now to us, he said, and that might explain why some people refused to drop the clipping habit. When Beth Larimer's three children were almost done here. When Beth Larimer's three children went off to college, she mailed them newspaper articles, a habit she picked up from her mother and grandmother. You have a better chance of them reading something because you've taken the time to mail it. That's true. Now that her children are out of school and working full-time, Larimer, 59, leaves newspaper clippings in their old bedrooms to read when they revisit their childhood home in Brentwood, Tennessee. Sometimes they chuckle at me, which is fine, she said. Sometimes they chuckle at me. Okay. Larimer's which youngest son, tough. I get it, I get it now. <laughs> I had to reread the whole <laughs> sentence before that. I thought she meant the articles were chuckling at her. Chuckling at her. I was like, okay. Uh, Larimer's youngest son... Jack Larimer, a researcher at an asset management firm. There we go. This is with the Wall Street Journal. So, 
uh, was visiting for Hartford uh, Christmas and found an article about the condition of the U.S. economy waiting for him on his old bedside table. It stirred a debate, he said. My mom and I enjoyed it. Peter Butkus said his father's decades-long clipping habit meant that the morning newspaper when he was a kid sometimes looked more like Swiss cheese if you slept too late. You'd have to get up pretty early to get a mint-conditioned newspaper, he said. The elder Butkus takes pride in his clipping routine. Well, articles may be outdated by the time the envelope arrives, he said. You're glad to get it because A, it's not junk mail, and B, more importantly, it's not a bill. Fair. I mean, I have an entire stack of newspapers in here, but I just keep the whole pages. You know, the clipping seems insane to me. It's like a mess, but maybe that's where I'll be. Who knows? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe in our old age, you know? Maybe I should mail you the articles that you're supposed to read for the show. You should you should take a you should take a photo of them and email them. To yeah, me. You not even message, not even like send them to you with the phone. Just like yeah, <laughs> download them into the computer and email them. Okay, well. All right, Frondo. I had a lot of fun. This was well, good. fantastic. Yeah, we did it again. Well, good luck. I'm gonna go start a motorcycle gang fight. Cool. My and plan um, for today. Uh, what are our motorcycle theme songs we should have for the intro and outro? <laughs> Uh, born to be wild and should be our outro okay do you think we could our do our intro I'm, I'm not sure but bad to the bone you think you could do like the keys yeah. motorcycle what is it boots yeah. glasses what does he say give me your boots your glasses uh, oh uh hold on hold on hold on i know one the T2 hold club. on yeah uh no wait I, I have another one it's uh hold on okay I'm so proud of us for doing a nice, clean <gasps> two-hour... Yes. Hmm. I got it. Oh, I got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, hold on. Okay. If it's on the... Let me see. Hold on. Doing a search. Let me see where it might be. Where is it? <laughs> I'm all lost.
trouble She pleaded and she begged you not to leave She said, I've got a feeling if you write tonight I'll grieve But her tears were shed in vain And her every word was lost In the rumble of his engine And the smoke from his exhaust He took like a devil There was fire in his eyes He said, I'll go a thousand miles Before the sun can rise But he hit a screaming diesel That was California bound And when they cleared the wreckage All they found was his They used to make some motherfucking songs. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's go start a bar fight. Yeah, Goodbye. That sounds great. Bye, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, see ya.